Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled if you've got a pulse. This podcast is for you. If you're hungry for more, if you're fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called to communion in Christ, and we've been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So our title, New Manna, it comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Come on, Jesus is alive. Jesus is the new manna. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us in the Holy Eucharist. So I have the pleasure today of being joined by one Mr. Jeff Pearson, one Mr. Marco Casanova, one Mr. John Mark Skoke. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks, Lee. Yeah, thanks for having thanks, us. Lee. It's great to be yes, here. Yes, it's so good. Jeff, thanks for having us in your uh, beautiful, by the way, beautiful <laughs> living room. Thanks I, for coming over. Thanks for sitting up. <laughs> dude, I love this mid-century modern. I know, I love it too. It's, I want it. Yeah, me too. Let's give all the credit to the previous owners of this house. You oh. did a great job setting it up. We're no very way. To be here. <laughs> no way. That's great. Oh, man. Okay, well, yeah, so who are you? What's your season of life? What What's your life look like right now? Kind of what do you do? Yeah, what's your life look like? John Mark. Sure. Yeah, so I'm John Mark Skoke. Uh, I am married with four wonderful children, uh, three girls and a boy. My wife, Kelsey, and I live here in Overland Park. Um, we are i guess kind of transplants here uh we moved here back in 2020 um to be closer to our family um and i work for uh, focus the fellowship of catholic university students um i've been working with them for now 11 years seems like let's go crazy uh <laughs> and so i serve as a regional director uh, overseeing all of the missionary teams that we have here in the state of kansas um and so uh, yeah, for those of you that don't know what Focus is, Fellowship of Catholic University Students, we exist to evangelize uh, college students uh, to essentially address the need where uh, basically 80% of uh, people between the ages of 18 and 23 walk away from their faith. Um, yeah, it's a crazy statistic. So we, yeah. we exist to really try to evangelize uh, college students in that critical time frame in their lives and help uh, help them come to know the Lord and help them develop a, a real living relationship with him so that they can live the, their lives. How did uh, you how did you get involved with Focus? Uh, so I was at the University of Kansas in my undergrad. Um, and yeah, I, I met some missionaries my senior year. And uh, I was personally not really, <laughs> I, I, I was too cool for school, I guess. I had a lot going on and I wasn't really in, into what they were offering. I was I was really involved at the St. Lawrence Center. Okay. And I loved the St. Lawrence Center. Uh, yeah, definitely doing like their retreats and stuff. But the missionaries came in and they were kind of doing their own thing. But one of the guys is from Nebraska, which is where I'm from originally. And we just bonded over all things Nebraska. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, like what what... What is Nebraska? Well, there's really only one thing in Nebraska, and that's mm -hmm. Husker football. So oh, I thought you were going to say corn. <laughs> I was going to say popcorn. Yeah, right. Yeah, popcorn. I guess there's hey, corn, nice. too. But yeah, no, so we we bonded a lot. 
and yeah, just formed a friendship where, uh, when it came time for me to graduate, he was like, Hey, do you think you could do what I do? And I, I kind of laughed because in my mind with my relationship with him at that point was just like having a beer yeah. here and there and talking about God and, sure. you know, deep things. And I was just like, yeah, I can, I can drink and talk about Jesus <laughs> with college guys. <laughs> that sounds like an amazing job. Uh, but where no, do I, I, where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, am I too old for this? I actually, yeah. So I went to their recruitment weekend and, um, it really just opened my eyes to a whole nother, a whole nother world of opportunity that, uh, yeah, I really felt like the Lord was calling me to do something. Yeah. And this was an opportunity that I, I, had, uh, yeah, I just saw as one that I felt like I was supposed to do. Um, so walking away from it, I knew if they offered me a job, I'd say yes. And I did. Oh, cool. So, and the rest is history, as they say. Well, yeah, there's a long story there. But. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven year story, I hear. Right, right. Yeah, Marco, who is Marco Casanova? So, yeah, Marco Casanova here. I work for Desert Stream Ministries. I oversee this group called Living Waters here in the United States. Desert Stream is an ecumenical outreach to those who struggle with various expressions of sexual and relational brokenness. At the heart of it is is really walking with those who struggle with same sex attraction and to be reconciled to the good of their of their biological gender and to be reconciled to that so as to be gift mm. um to to know that their gift and to actually have the wherewithal to to offer yeah. that gift um i live with my wife anya in brookside missouri and i attend st peter's parish originally from houston texas okay was in the seminary for about eight and a half years in philadelphia wow uh, didn't become a priest, um, obviously, yep. <laughs> and uh, now work for this ministry. And I got inter- I was intersected with this ministry in the seminary with my own need for integration, okay. coming out of a background of same-sex attraction sure. and really wanting Jesus to help me in deep areas of my life. Yeah. And I, I had plenty of professional help, where therapeutic sure. and, and spiritual direction and whatnot, but there was an, another step that I needed, and that was really... Um, engaging with the body of Christ mm. in a responsible and confidential way to help walk alongside me mm. in these areas where I needed deep help. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, I came to Desert Stream maybe about four years ago um, as an intern and now, now full-time. So I and love it. I love Kansas City. Yeah, Casey rocks. Yeah, it's really cool. I didn't even know how to conceptualize Kansas City when I first <laughs> heard right, it. Right. But I love it. It's great. It's like in the middle? I'm like, you, where is yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of those classic Midwestern split by a river kind exactly. of cities. So, um, so Desert Streams, like, how, like, how, what's the scope of Desert Streams? Like, how big? Yeah. So we're in our 40, 43rd year this oh, year. Wow. Uh, so um, we're founded by Andrew Kaminsky in the Jesus Movement, John Wimber Vineyard Movement, kind of okay. healing stream. No way. John yeah. Wimber's okay. Oh yeah, yeah John Wimber's one of our go. fathers and great mentor wow. of Andrew and. Gave vision one of the one of the mentors obviously yeah, Leanne yeah. Payne John Paul II Joseph Nicolosi all these other wonderful thinkers but yeah so Andrew um, started this movement under really under King Gullickson John Wimber Vineyard Movement sure. helping persons particularly with homosexuality come to to Jesus I loved the simplicity of of that movement right. and how just radical surrender yeah. meant radical reconciliation with the purity of your origins. Yeah. Well, now he's a Catholic, uh, I think 12 years, 13 years old Catholic, yeah. and has oh. since um, really brought a lot of theology of the body into into the ethos of, of living waters. And so, yeah, I wow. I really helped to, to build groups in 
parishes throughout the country. But of course, we have expressions throughout the world, France, Poland, Philippines. So you're all over. Yeah, I'm all, we're, we're all over. I, I don't oversee those groups. My colleague, Abby Ford, does. But um, yeah, we work in tandem yeah. with Andrew, Andrew's yeah. oversight to really build the broken body of Christ right. and to create healing spaces for people yeah. to encounter merciful Jesus. So you're in charge of an apostolate, well, a, a, an arm of an apostolate for the entire United States. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's not a big deal. Just like <laughs> I mean, on. you know, we, we, we had our heyday and then we've we've sort of dwindled in 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 a in a sense. Sure. I don't want to create a dramatic picture, right, but right. obviously these are issues that are very charged. Yeah. Um who wants to take up the issue of sure homosexuality and healing and those are fighting words today. Right, so right. We're up against, I think, a, a rather thick, thick in atmosphere. But yeah. you know, we'll we'll you're we'll, fine. We'll remain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, we we shall abide in the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Come on, John fifteen. Today's reading, gospel. Let's go. No. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Lean Sorry. in. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Jeff. Who is Jeff Pearson? Hey. Also, a transplant to Kansas City seems to be a popular theme today. Um, <laughs> Yeah, grew up in the Chicago suburbs and was blessed to go to the United Sox States. Or, Sox or Cubs? Uh, Chicago Cubs. It's okay. like a generational Cubbies. thing. I think it'd be a cardinal sin if I <laughs> if I went away from the Cubs. Um, but yeah, I was blessed to go to the United States Naval Academy and study there and then serve as a submarine officer in the U.S. Navy for seven years after that. Uh, so along with my wife, we were up and down the East Coast, stationed in different places and towards the end of our time in the Navy, I um, really just prayed about where God was calling us to move to and visit a lot of different places, bumped into a lot of good uh, good friends here and there, and really felt the Lord draw us to Kansas City. And mm. um, excited to be discussing the Eucharist and, hmm. and the Lord today because I would say like the, just the prevalence of daily Mass and Eucharistic adoration here in Kansas City was a huge draw for us to come here. So. Yeah. Happy to be celebrating one year in Kansas City uh, right about now. In that Papa Murphy's pizza that we hey. lured you to hey. lured you to Kansas City with. And, you know, longer story later maybe, but we did live yeah. in John Mark's basement for, you know, Eight. several weeks. Right. <laughs> okay, Jeff, I don't know any submariners. Can you tell me just a little bit, like, I'm everybody out there, like, okay, here's, here's the backstory for Lee. I would go to the library as a child. And I would get like the same ten bucks. Okay, they're all like <laughs> these, these picture books on submarines. So like the oh fact, my gosh. the fact that you're a submarine. yellow? No, I wasn't basic, Jeff. Okay, <laughs> I was more than a Beatles. I wanted the real deal. But like, can you just like, what is it like to be a submariner? Like, what's the coolest place that you like breached or whatever? I don't even know. <laughs> like, tell me what. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of cool things diving deep under the water, operating complex you know, nuclear reactor systems and things like that. But I think my favorite moments were when we would surface. Um, yeah, so come up to the surface in the middle of the night under the stars mm. out in the middle of the Atlantic and you wow. can't see anything. And, you know, as as a young officer of the deck, you're standing up on top of the bridge on top of the submarine and yeah. everyone else is actually still down below mm. operating the, the systems and equipment. So you're just there with maybe one or two other lookouts and it's just you up there wow. under the stars and it's, it's immense. It's beautiful. Wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me, what? Dreams. Yeah. So, on top of drinking beer with college kids for money, like that's that's a close second. That's a close second. That's if so not, cool. yeah. Certainly wow. something he's done that none of us have. So, so sure. Yeah. So, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. 
give me give me back to the beginning. Like, what's your story of falling in love with Jesus like? Yeah, I think this has just been a really powerful question to reflect on and pray with over the past uh, week or so, um, getting ready to have this conversation. And I think, you know, my earliest memory of growing up Catholic, you know, being raised Catholic um, was probably my first communion. I just remember it being such a joyful day, um, being celebrated by the extended family. Um, but still, even in that moment, just not really fully knowing and fully grasping the the gravity of of what I was receiving and, yeah. and moving uh, forward with that. So throughout, yeah, elementary school, middle school, going into high school, um, I think there's a lot of ups and downs in, in, in my belief in God and just my ability to accept that God loves me. Just that foundational piece was, you know, difficult to, to kind of accept. Even though I loved going to Sunday school, I loved the intellectual side mm. of the faith. I could learn all the facts. I could tell you who the auxiliary bishops were of <laughs> the Archdiocese of Chicago, you know. Sure. Um, but I think moving that from the head to the heart was was definitely something that the Lord was patiently walking with me um, over a long time. Yeah. And yeah, good shout out to my uh, my older sister, my only sister, and my older sister Amy. It's her birthday today. Come as on, we Amy. Record. Happy birthday! Um, Happy birthday! But Happy birthday, uh, Amy. Yeah, she I think just set a really good example for me to get into youth ministry and go on a, a, a retreat called Kairos, which is a four day you know, sort yeah. of Ignatian style retreat for, for high school students yeah. um, where I, I think I really encountered God's love and experienced God's love in the, in the community um, and in yeah. that retreat for the first time. Um, and the Lord really planted a lot of seeds there at that like kind of junior and senior year of high school yeah. time. Um, but still, I think, you know, after kind of the high of that retreat wears off, um, and I still struggled to live, live the Christian life. Um, didn't really understand what it looked like to have a daily relationship with Jesus or to know how to, to pray on a regular basis. Um, didn't really know what adoration was even yeah. in, in high school. Yeah. Um, I would say when I went off to the United States Naval Academy and was really blessed with some incredible prayerful priests who just spoke about the sacred heart of Jesus and spoke mm. about their mm. love for the Lord and, and made uh, daily mass and the Eucharist just available in adoration a lot um was was really cool um i would say probably halfway through college um you know i started veering off and chasing what the world tells me would satisfy me so yeah. it's you know grades achievements sure sports relationships um you know really grasping at at success um and you know even started walking away from from sunday mass at times walking away from confession for years at a time mm -hmm. um at that point and i remember distinctly a friend of mine uh just in a small group conversation somehow like the topic of the saints came up and mm -hmm. and this friend of mine shared a quote with me from saint john paul ii about uh the short of the long quote is it is jesus that you seek when, when you, you dream, dream of happiness. happiness yeah it is he that you're looking for when nothing else you find satisfies you yeah and this just really hit me and made me realize that all that dissatisfaction in my heart, all the anger, frustration, loneliness, you know, that I was experiencing was because I was chasing the wrong things. And it wasn't like an overnight uh, total conversion sure. and, and turnaround, but I started picking my friends a little bit more closely, um, seeking out mentorship, um, in, you know, in the Catholic community there at the Naval Academy and, um, to fast forward a little bit, I would say the like big big turning point for me was uh, a focused mission trip um, in my senior year of college. So 
you know, John Mark explained a little bit about what focus is and the beautiful work that they do for college students. So I went to Haiti um, with a group of about 20 people to just serve serve the poor in, in a community there in, in the northern city of Cap Haitian. And we were invited into the schedule of prayer for the religious brothers who mm. were working there. Mm. And so that meant like 5 a.m. Oh, daily yeah. adoration, holy hours, followed by mass and liturgy of the hours throughout the whole day. And I'd never been exposed to just like that much dedication to prayer. Yeah. And I remember several moments on this retreat, but one that stands out the most, just for the first time being in adoration, seeing Jesus in the Eucharist and the monstrance and realizing and hearing his voice, you know, in my heart, in my imaginative prayer, right? Saying like, I'm real, this is real and, and I want you and all of the longings of your heart can be satisfied in me. Um, and I just remember looking around in this chapel in the middle of nowhere, like in a very small town in, in Haiti, right? Just, wow, like what, how did I have to leave the United States, like mm-hmm. fly all the way over here just to, you know, encounter the Lord, but the Lord desired me to have that encounter so much. Yeah. Um, right after that, I went to a confession for the first time in, in several years um, on that mission trip mm. and just encountered yeah, the love and mercy of Jesus in a, in a powerful way. I received Psalm 51 as my penance, mm. prayed through that, and that really kicked off a long, longer journey of, of coming before Jesus in the Eucharist in adoration to receive healing and growth. And, mm. and I'll go a little bit more into that story later probably. Sure. But um, yeah, so that's kind of like the... So the... the the witness of a priest, the invitation of a priest in the, the religious community itself. I'm thinking about how, like I, I've been on a couple of mission trips as well and how those are always transformative. And it's like the, the joy and the happiness that, um, that we're able to, to bring to those people. Not that we have something that they don't or whatever, because I, I would say the opposite. They have something that we don't in, in like third world areas is just, they have such a pure joy and pure love that I've, I really, I don't know. I, it's the exception to say that I've, I've seen it here in the States. Yeah, just being out of ourselves mm-hmm. because we are so surrounded here. And yeah, just 10 out of 10 would, uh, would recommend mm-hmm. getting out there on a, on a mission trip. Go for it. Definitely. Yeah. I'll go next. Um, so for me, I think the I was in the seminary, as I said, and Obviously, we were daily communicants, going to Mass yeah. every single day. But my experience of seminary was was rather um, complicated with, with this proclivity of same-sex stuff and was totally in the dark with it. So yeah. I, I was living a duplicitous life, <laughs> sure. um, heavy addiction to pornography, and started acting out homosexually in the seminary, outside of the seminary. And it was there that I... I started to experience the the effects of my mortal sin. I found I found it really helpful that sin was mortal, <laughs> that there was mortal sin, that there was sin that was um, actually killing me, yeah. and and I needed to know that differentiation, especially in regards to the Eucharist. I knew when when my I wasn't I didn't have access to the table, like yeah. I couldn't sit at yep. the table, I couldn't partake of the meal because of my divided life and and that actually helped me in a in an interesting way it actually was a point of conversion to see what what this was like what what was my divide what was this proclivity of mine what 
why was I barred from sure. partaking of, in, of the incarnate logos, you know, and why was my rebellion mm. a disqualification? But in a way, it was calling me deeper into not only who I was as a man, but who incarnate Jesus wanted to be for me and what did he want to do in my life? He wanted yeah. to reconcile me in my sexuality. And so I, I see the Eucharist for me having like an integrative quality. <laughs> like yeah. there's mm -hmm. a property of the Eucharist that, it, that integrates me, you know, mm -hmm. that makes me the man that incarnate Jesus wants me to be. And that was through a lot of reckoning, hard reckoning in the seminary of, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sabotaging my life. And not only do I need to let go of those sin yeah. patterns, but I also need to invite Jesus into these areas mm -hmm. of weakness that have frankly become wickedness. And I, I need to repent so as to be in deeper communion with mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, and deeper communion with myself, you sure. know, <laughs> all for communion's sake. So yeah, the Eucharist saved my life in a way, yeah. gave me vision for my sexual humanity, um, but also beyond mystical experiences, you know, it, sure. it wasn't just enough for me to stay before the monstrance in adoration, but yeah. I actually needed to integrate with other men, with other women, and the Eucharist sort of catapulted me into yeah. that. Henri de Lubac, uh, one of the great contributors of the Second Vatican Council, he says that the, the, the most important word at mass is ite go like go forth yeah you know that you've you've received deeply now go give deeply yeah i really like that that was helpful for me that what i've received mystically in this jesus i can now go and and actually give myself and yeah. that's where in tandem both of the mystical yeah. and communal this is where the work of redemption for me, at least, yeah. has really happened. And the Eucharist has been the centrifugal force yeah, of go. that whole thing in my life. Let's go. So grateful. I love uh, mission, right? How like the word mission is where we get the word mass. And like, uh, well, actually, they have the same root word, which is mm. to go. Yeah. It comes from that same Latin yeah. is to get out. Mm -hmm. Like mass literally means sent. Like, mm. hey, come on in get your Eucharist, but go, Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. Like get, get your, get your life, you know, right, right. and then go. So I love that. And uh, the image that popped into my mind was like, how you said my, my weakness turned into wickedness. Mm. And I was like, Oh my goodness. It's like, not, I do not want to trivialize anything. This is not about your story anymore. Just hear me out like this, this idea of like, okay, a cavity beginning on your tooth. Mm. And it's like, well, it starts out as a weakness, but if it just goes un like, taken care of like yeah. if you don't get take care of it then it, it just it turns into this like abscess and yeah. it rots the whole the whole mouth so i just yeah it really struck me how like yeah, yeah if we don't address those weaknesses that we we are aware of then, yeah. yeah i think it's okay to be weak i, I know for me and i i know like i'm kind of dropping these little bombs here of like wait Come you're sex attracted and then you're married like how does that work um <laughs> i i think it's okay <laughs> right. uh, i think it's okay to be weak you sure. know like sure. to have disordered desire sure. i mean to be tempted I, I i feel like that's just a part of the christian life humanity yeah. humanity Human welcome condition. to humanity but i i think we can be weak without becoming wicked like yeah, i need sure. to be constantly be in the posture of allowing my wounds to be cleansed yeah i also think the eucharist does that for me you know not so much 
yeah, yeah. I, I think the Eucharist has this property of divine mercy. Like I, I'm cleansed through the Eucharist. Yeah. Not so much saying that, oh, if you have mortal sin, you can go to the, the table. But I know for me, uh, shortly after I was married, uh, I was just married this past December. Congrats. And thank you. And after that, I remember feeling a lot of same-sex desire, and I've done a lot of integrative work in my life. I'm sure. certainly not healed completely, <laughs> but I think there is like a, a journey or an adventure of that. And I remember after my wedding, I, we come back to the States after a honeymoon, and I felt so tempted. Mm. I felt so much sure. attraction to like old stuff, Yeah, and like the demons were knocking, and it, I liked the knock, you sure. know? Sure, <laughs> Wasn't surprised by my, my old stuff, but... I felt rather in need of, sure. of the mercy. And my wife is very Catholic, probably arguably more than me. And she loved to go to Eucharistic adoration and these events. And I, 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 I go along. Of course, I'm married and I love it too, in, in a way. And I went and I, I needed this Jesus to just help me, like yeah. anchor me, you yeah. know, like a spiritual chastity. Whenever I felt like I was bending into the creature, I needed... Yeah the one who, through whom and for whom I'm created to anchor me. Yeah. And, and the Eucharist does that for me, mm. <laughs> you know, whenever I'm like, ah, oh, this old stuff, like yep. it's coming back up or it's knocking. Like the Eucharist yeah. has an, an ability to stabilize me at core in the sense of being in the sense of who I am. Yeah. And it, it enables me to sort of say, okay, that's okay. I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I can mm-hmm. stand as a man. I don't have to, I don't have to bend in to the sexy idols. Sure, I can sure. I can stand in the husband I am and and, and the disciple I am. So right. love the Eucharist. Yeah. Saves my life yeah. constantly. Amen. When we talk about passions, like mm. if we're just gonna put our Aristotle philosophy hat on, yeah. which is like integral for the church too, like I, Saint Thomas Aquinas, doctor of the doctors of the doctors of the church, right? This dude is brilliant, you know, supernaturally graced, whatever. But like, aside from scripture, the, the person that he that he quoted most in all of his writings, over like one million pages of these goat skin pieces of quote paper, if you want to call them that, like the person he quotes most is the philosopher Aristotle. Aristotle. Sure. So I just want to give a plug real quick. So it's like passions are intrinsically neutral. Hmm. So like if we experience these things welling up within us, these desires, um, they are morally neutral. So they are not um, like you're not a bad person for feeling something, yeah, you know? Right. Um, it's just a matter of like what you do with that. And uh, yeah, I just want to give a quick plug, make that differentiation that it's like, just because I'm experiencing something does not disqualify me from my sonship. Exactly. From my husbandhood. Right. But, you know, like from my brotherhood, from, you know, any relationship, particularly with the father, like it does not disqualify me from being a son of God. Yeah, and just to add a little bit to that, I, I do think that, it's important to know that Jesus has come to break the back of all sin and moral disorder in our life. Sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm quoting Mary Healy here. Yeah. She said, it is the witness of the New Testament that yeah. incarnate Jesus has come to break the back of all sin and moral disorder in our yeah. life. So no matter your sin or moral disorder of choice is, yep. Jesus has come to reconcile you yeah. to the purity of your origins. And I, I dare say... He does that um, essentially through the Eucharist. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is yes. And Jesus is <laughs> the answer. And Dr. Mary Healy, I love, if anybody out there who's like, who's Dr. Mary Healy? I love this awesome. woman. She is 
huge in the faith and a very small person. Uh, she's like five <laughs> feet tall, but she is the first woman to be appointed to the Pontifical Biblical Commission, uh, which is basically the Pope's Bible study leader, mm. um, but not really. Like she's in charge of uh, ensuring uh, orthodoxy in biblical interpretation throughout the entire church, and you cannot be on that commission without being appointed by the successor of Peter himself. So that's pretty cool. Like she's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. John Mark, tell us about that's awesome. Yeah, how you fell in love with the Lord. Yeah, no, thank you. Um I I'm, I'm edified by all these stories. These are just beautiful things to be reflecting on. Um yeah, my own my own encounter with Jesus uh truly have been blessed to be uh in the like to grow up in the family that I did. My sure. my dad's been a daily mass goer as long as I can remember for the better part of the last 30 plus years. Um, and honestly, his witness and example, really both my parents, I mean, my mom was a convert. Uh, so there's kind of like a cool interplay between the two of them in terms of things that I've learned as far as, you know, devotion to Jesus yeah. uh, in the blessed sacrament, but also, uh, yeah, like learning to have a deeper relationship with him sure. and to be just more real with him. Uh, but from a very young age, uh, I could, I mean, yeah, I was Catholic schooled K through 12, uh, in the Lincoln diocese. And it's, uh, just some very solid priests and religious who taught me growing up. And, uh, I can, I can be 100% honest and just say like, I, I just never doubted that Jesus was in the Eucharist. Sure. Uh, praise God. Like that was just my, my reality was that, you know, the mass is the most important thing. Now, granted, uh, the motivations for going were not always as, as pure maybe, sure. but, uh, I think inter internally, yeah, I just never questioned that this was Jesus in front of me in the yeah. Eucharist and, uh, just some, some fun memories thinking about this uh, leading up to this conversation. Like, you know, like even being an altar server, mm -hmm. like in the archdiocese or in the diocese of Lincoln, I'm not elevating it to archdiocese, <laughs> uh, from this day, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It should be though. Let's be honest. It's <laughs> that saith John. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, some really, really cool memories of that though. So, like my older brother, uh, I have one older brother and two younger. And my older brother was an altar server, and uh, I'm two years younger than him. So you you couldn't train until you were a fourth grader. Mm. And so here I am, like a third grader, sitting in the pews, like yeah. watching my my older brother Jumping go at the bit get ready and and it's i kid you not like i i remember it kind of like you know i'm almost like i'm in like the minor leagues you know and i'm sure. like i'm like just waiting for someone to call me up like Wait like watching <laughs> watching you know like what did anybody else go back to the sacristy and get ready because like maybe they need somebody you know <laughs> and i knew everything about it because i watched my older brother do it uh but i i mean just that kind of desire uh that kind of uh relationship with um really the liturgy and like understanding the importance of it so much so that you know it was it was part of our life yeah uh, a, a deep part of our life um and so but i learned so much uh through serving at mass through school uh the mentors that i had growing up um but i think to to say like yeah i was so i was given a really strong example of devotion again I, as i mentioned in my sure. dad shout out to my dad mike skoke he's amazing <laughs> um an amazing example of of faithfulness to the Eucharist there. Question. Yep. When did, I mean, it made sense. Yeah. But when did Jesus become like yours? Yes. Fast forward to, um, yeah, honestly, 
I can't even say college, like college, I was devoted to the Lord and I, I went to mass and still kind of living a little bit of a double life. Uh, I mean, I always knew like I needed to go to him like for confession and things like that. Right. Sure. Um, but it was a very transactional relationship mm. up until, uh, really the first and second year that I was a part of focus. Um, my, my first summer as a focus missionary, you know, I'm, in the thick of fundraising and um yeah just like being being asked to start praying with scripture was probably the first mm. like true uh encounter with the lord's yeah. love and personal like just desire for me that i had uh so i i started praying with scripture regularly that summer and um i was also reading the catechism at the time and there's this quote uh from paragraph 103 in the catechism that just it says uh the church has always venerated the sacred scriptures as much as the body of christ yeah and so for someone who grew up knowing you know the centrality of the eucharist and knowing you know jesus is there present yeah um yeah this this didn't really connect with me uh or at least like i i was really having trouble reconciling mm. it when i heard it uh because i did not venerate the scriptures at least i didn't feel sure. like i did um and that just started a journey for me, uh, diving into the the sacred scriptures and and understanding, you know, who this Jesus was, uh, apart from kind of who I knew him to be in the Eucharist, but as, right. but like as the historical figure, right? Yeah. Uh, and right away, I started praying in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God. The Word was God. All things came to be through Him, and without Him, nothing came to be. Right. And it just like hit me like a ton of bricks, like this this connection of of jesus being the second person of the trinity being the incarnate word that created all things uh i yeah i i knew in that moment i had been kind of seeing jesus as like distant Mm -hmm. and like you know a historical figure and now he's with us in the eucharist and somehow there's this you know relationship but like Hmm. i for the first time i think realized uh just how intimately personal he is just within me and in reading scripture, like how my heart would just start to come alive in the words and realizing like these words are so much more integrated in me than I have ever given them (laughs) any sort of credit for. Uh, And that just started a beautiful journey. Um, I, you know, this, this daily relationship with him through the word, particularly I I like praying the daily readings uh, just to kind of be, try to be in one heart and mind with the church. Uh, But like just this, this uh real beautiful trust of of knowing that he is speaking to me each and every time i read and hear from the word and then uh that has just opened up doors massively for me as far as like my devotion for jesus in the eucharist and, yeah. tr- and knowing how he transforms me knowing how uh he sustains me in that mm. um because of what he said i yeah. mean and we could go off on that for for days as far as what he said he said a lot a lot of things a few things i mean yeah <laughs> yeah uh but but just again going going back to that encounter with scripture and realizing how not just how important the words are uh intellectually or whatever but yeah. but personally like i i think the question of you know how does this how does this change me as a person uh yeah. started to really ring ring out and i i mean i 
I found myself yeah. asking it personally, but also asking a lot of the guys I was leading in Bible studies and things like that. And it just like, it just became so clear. Um, and so again, uh, fast forwarding into my, the rest of my time as a missionary, uh, there was just some very significant moments of healing that this had all led me to, uh, to help me just yeah. truly understand that, you know, Jesus wanted so much more than just my, uh, yes to come to mass on Sundays. He wanted so much more than my yes to come and bring him my mortal sin in yeah. the confessional. He wanted me to bring everything. Like he mm. wanted me to give him everything. Come on. And so there was this there. I mean, again, kind of similar to some of the guys, like it wasn't like uh, a very specific moment that yeah. I was like, this is now, I'm, I'm now Jesus, yeah. Jesus's. But I, over the course of that time and those yeah. experiences, I just, it, it, it moved from a transactional relationship to one of knowing his presence constantly. And I mean, again, yeah. the Eucharist uh, has become so much more than what it was even when I was growing up as far right. as like, but he's like always that steady presence, you know? And yeah. so he, yeah, going and adoring him, receiving him, right. uh, enriches this even more so each yeah. and every day. That's amazing. So beautiful. I, I'm just reflecting on how Jesus, well, in mass, I think I've said this on the podcast previously, but just in our Catholic churches, like there's only two things to be uh, venerated and revered and like worthy of worship on the altar, the word of God yep. and the Eucharist. Yep. Come on. And just like how you said, like your conversion, if you will, your, your not aha moment, but just this, this awakening this uh you know scales scales falling from the eyes happened in the word and i just um, really struck me with this uh hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 for the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart the lord's word is not dead Amen. far from it it is alive he is alive in his words still so read that good book yeah i it, it is mm -hmm. just fascinating like realizing again like kind of what the church teaches uh with jesus being the second person of the trinity the you know the eternal word that created mm -hmm. all things but like in in like manner the words of sacred scripture he communicates himself that word that yeah. same word fully and mm -hmm. so I just think about it like this, how it's like these these words that I'm reading or hearing are oh, wow. so much more intimately bound into who I am as a creature, you know. Uh I wow. should I should be spending so and then that was the thing. I was like, gosh, like I don't know the I don't know the Bible right. well. Uh I, I kind of thought as a Catholic, you know, it's like I'll use it to sort of yeah. find the answers when I need them. But yeah. it's like it is truly like food, you mm. know, going yeah. to it. It's like this is recreating me as I'm hearing. That's it. exactly like, what I was gonna say. It was just the the generative Yes, it's so good. Faculties of the word remain. Like oh. the procreative faculties of the word of God yep. remain still. Wow. Just because they're written down on paper right. and printed in mass for us, like N mass, E-N-M-A-S-S-E, right, right. like for all of us, <laughs> just clarifying, because we're talking about mass. Got to qualify that for sure. <laughs> like the, the power of the word is still mm, living complete. Yeah. Oh, come it's, on, Jesus. It's beautiful. And I can only, I can just, yes and amen, yes and amen, because... Uh, ever since I've started reading the Gospels every day, uh, my life has uh, completely changed. Like, mm -hmm. I've been Catholic for whatever, but, like, as soon as I started actually leaning in, I've just been chronologically working through the Gospels, right. like, chapter or two a day, stop when something hits me, and then start over um, once I finish John. Oh, wow. Just go back to Matthew and just, like, work through it. 
Like, how can we know he who is the word incarnate without knowing what he did what he said and what he said? Yep. So, um, yeah, 10 out of 10 would recommend um, <laughs> wow. either starting small with right. not to say that what you're doing is small by any means, but just like the daily readings are a great way to jump into the word of God. If you're like, how do I do this? Where do I go? Right. Don't play Bible roulette. Don't. Because you might end up in Leviticus and you might leave the church. No, you might. <laughs> um, you know, just start small with the the readings of the church. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I mean, I think too, like if you're if you, even just giving ten or fifteen minutes of time, you know, to reflect on a passage. Yeah. Uh, or or yeah, even I mean, like you said, the daily readings. Like there isn't a time. Like if you truly give ten or fifteen minutes of silence, something is going to speak to you. you yeah. Know, like mm-hmm. something will catch your attention like i just there isn't there has never been a time that i've i've not you know been struck by something yeah even if it's very subtle you know it doesn't have to be this you know life-changing message or moment at the at that that specific time but uh it really does like if you just give it time and that's the thing a lot of people don't they just don't give it so you you strike me as like a pretty chill dude and i know you slightly (laughs) he's really laid back (laughs) you can say he's laid back um but what advice would you give? Like, how would you tell somebody who's like me, for example, sure. kind of wound for sound? And yeah. like, how would how do you spend <laughs> that like 10 to 15 minutes in silence? Because like you tell me that yeah. I'm not going to like sit in a chair and like stare at the wall for right. 15. I mean, how do you how do you do that? I mean, some, some advice that I got from a, a very good Jesuit uh, priest friend of mine is first first and foremost like just trusting that if you're gonna give time to the lord yeah he's gonna use it mm-hmm. so so identifying at the very outset of what you're doing yeah i'm gonna lord i'm gonna give you this 15 minutes for instance uh the, no matter what you do for the next 15 minutes right trusting that he's going to use that time so if yeah. that means you're reading scripture if that means you're praying the rosary if that means you're you know doing whatever sure i I think I think you need to acknowledge the uh, yeah really just the <laughs> you are the Lord he yeah. he is prominent and primary in everything in the your gift life. of yeah and if you're going to actually give him a gift of this 15 minutes or whatever you have to trust that he's going to do bless it. He'll, he's going to do something with it yeah I, I I so often find myself thinking well he you know he you couldn't do anything with that because I only have 15 minutes or you right. couldn't do anything with that because you know this is seemingly so limited in sure. the experience of the church where it's like some people are praying, you know, eight hours a day in convents. And it's like, I'm you, not, I'm yeah, not in a convent. You, you, yeah. <laughs> you have to, not yet. You do have, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, you do have to trust that he's going to do something with yeah. it. And then I would say, uh, there, there's also something to be said for, uh, creating a disposition of receptivity in your heart. And, and, and much like what we talked about with like the uh, the passions, you know, it's like there's this reality that we have all been learned or like we have all been, you know, sort of uh, brought up in a culture in a certain way that requires us to, yeah, learn about the things that we want to know about, right? And like uh, if you really want to be good at something, you have to practice, right? Sure. Um, I do think that there's, yeah, a lot of people want to just jump into prayer and hope that God's going to give them that lightning bolt mm-hmm. moment. But it's like, you do have to, like you were saying, Lee, like the, the rinse and repeat method of reading through the gospels, mm. you know, doing things repetitively really helps you to I- integrate, um, you know, 
this message that the Lord has for you and like, you know, to learn exactly about, you know, what, what is he calling you to and what, what does he want from you? If you don't, if you don't strive to at least get to know what those things are or like, yeah, it's like at least strive to grow in the virtue of, you know, uh, temperance or prudence or whatever is like, sure. if you're not, not going to learn about those things, you're probably not going to grow in them. Mm, and so yeah. I think I'd, I'd give that advice too, of just like yeah. choosing something and really, yeah, go learn about Give it. Give it a shot. And then, and then, yeah, put it into practice in these small, you know, commitments until you can make larger ones. That's beautiful advice. Um, and I think you've already kind of hit on too, like kind of what your lived relationship with the Lord looks like today. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, Jeff, you, what, what is your lived relationship with the Lord look like today? Yeah, first off, I think a couple of things that stood out to me from what John Mark uh, was saying there about scripture is, you know, when I was out to sea on submarines for months at a time, you know, we didn't have the Eucharist. So we didn't have priests, we didn't have chaplains on board submarines. They're just mm-hmm. a little bit too small for Navy chaplains to to come with. Um, so yeah, we uh, what I had was my Bible and my little Lexio Divina bookmark with mm-hmm. the steps of Lexio Divina on it. And yeah. I would say it was a huge gift, ironically enough, to be away from Mass and away from adoration for so many right. months because I just had to pour my whole heart and my whole need, my whole desperation, like into yeah. Jesus in the, in the scriptures and yeah. in, in the word of God. And so, yeah, just mm. taking that time of silence, entering into it, warming up, just like you'd warm up for a long run, like by entering into the silence, getting all the distractions on my mind. Right. Um, which is hard when you're trying to, you know, find a quiet place on a submarine with 150 other guys. Yeah. How you do know, you do around. that? Creatively. <laughs> Creatively. <laughs> um, <laughs> In the sub, in the missile base, I'm sure it's quiet back there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think my current daily relationship with with prayer and with the Eucharist, you know, really grew over time, especially kind of anchoring back into the the story I was sharing earlier yeah. to come out of that mission trip in Haiti, where I was just yeah struck by the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist um, in adoration. I came back to uh, Annapolis and. I went, went to a missionary, a focused missionary on my campus. I was like, how do I do this adoration thing? <laughs> you know? Mm. And at the advice I got at, at first was just, well, start with five minutes mm. and work up from there. Mm. Um, yeah. And so at first it was just, okay, I'm going to sit here in the silence for just five minutes. Yeah. And slowly like working that up to, you know, 15, 20 minutes of entering into the silence. I think things like Lexio Divina, um, which is just a very straightforward like method of following a few steps asking yeah. ourselves a few questions in prayer um was super helpful in in adoration um and, and to be honest reading a book yeah i was 23 years old been catholic my whole life and had never really read a spiritual book before mm. um so at that point it was reading time for god by father jacques philippe <laughs> which i highly recommend yeah um to realize that prayer was a gift and I needed to go to that time of prayer, like John Mark was saying, just mm. completely and totally offer it to God yeah. and expect to receive yeah. from the Father as a son mm. who's provided for and loved. Um, yeah, so slowly over time, you know, I think that grew into me realizing like, wow, 20 minutes in prayer is great, but like, I want more. You know, like yep. Jesus is 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 healing, Jesus is providing and loving um, so much more. And yeah, I think now, especially as being married and having three kids with a fourth baby on the way, yeah. coming here soon, um, <laughs> you know, you have to get a lot more creative uh, with when to find time to pray. 
Um, so yeah. it's been beautiful to realize that just we have to sacrifice to wake up earlier um, yep. to get that silence in. And, and like I said before, I'm super blessing the Kansas City metro area to have just so many adoration chapels available yeah. to go be with, with the Lord um, regularly. Um, but something I had like too with our, with our kids that we try to do like a monthly one-on-one date with them. So it's like, go out, do nice. something fun. Just either me or my wife with one of our kids, um, give that them that individual attention. But yeah. we always start those dates, uh, with just a five minute visit to the adoration chapel down the street. Come on, Jeff. Awesome. So it's, yeah, it's been so beautiful to see them, even three-year-olds, five-year-olds that are yep. able to sit there, enter into it and talk to Jesus and you can mm-hmm. ask you can ask these little kids like afterwards like what did Jesus speak to you and yeah it's beautiful to hear their responses um which is which is awesome um I would say something I really want to highlight and touch on that Marco and John Mark mentioned like throughout their stories too is is this like healing that you can experience this integration you can experience through the Eucharist and yeah. through prayer and through reading the word of God is to dive into that a little bit more because I think sometimes we hear that thrown around like you know but what, what is mm healing and I would say like to narrow it down to maybe like an inner healing of you know taking the different disordered passions or disappointments or dissatisfactions in your life things that aren't going well um, and bringing them to the Lord and expecting that he's going to help heal you to experience more of the fruits of the Holy Spirit you know love peace joy patience kindness and and all the other ones they don't have perfectly memorized from Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 love joy (laughs) peace patience kindness gentleness self-control generosity and something else yeah so something else (laughs) and and when Marco said of like the Eucharist saved his life I would echo and say the same thing like the Eucharist saved my life saved my marriage before it began because I, I just remember meeting my (laughs) <laughs> meeting my now wife uh, on that same focus mission trip, you know, didn't mention that earlier. Hey, hey. Um, and starting to grow in, in friendship with her and then eventually started dating and realizing that we both like were really, yeah, discerning marriage within them and realizing our own brokenness. And, and for me, just realizing how much I needed to go to Jesus to receive healing and integration and wholeness uh, yeah. before being able to give myself as gift, um, in marriage and let me tell you you can go to jesus and sit in the silence in especially in front of the monstrance in adoration and just give him your whole heart like mm-hmm. the lord wants more than mm-hmm. just to forgive you in confession but also wants Come to on. heal you yeah um to take those memories that haunt you and to bring peace bring freedom wholeness um and that was my experience over several months of just go into adoration as, as much as possible um, and, and really giving those things over to the Lord and asking yeah. for peace. Um, Healing yeah. is wholeness in right relationship. Mm. Like, that's what it is. Completeness in right relationship. The Lord mm. came to heal, and what did he do? He restored us to right relationship with the Father and also uh, complete like mm. that which was lacking mm. in us. So there you go. Come on, Jesus. Amen. Please keep going. You were going to say something else. <laughs> that that healing journey continues, right? Like not just before marriage, but into marriage. The sacrament of marriage is is healing in and of itself um, and brings up so much more to the surface. So I think, mm. you know, people always ask like, oh, like if you could only give one piece of marriage advice, I think for me, it's always confession and, and the Eucharist. Like also not just with our kids, but with my wife and I, like our own regular date nights is 
uh, we try to go to adoration before dinner and just recenter ourselves on the fact that like, yeah, my, my, my wife or my spouse in general, like doesn't complete me. Like Jesus mm-hmm. is the complete. You complete me, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, t- my wife's spiritual director and the one who did our marriage prep was like, yeah, yeah if you say the phrase, she completes you, then I don't think I'm going to be able to allow you guys <laughs> to get married. <laughs> um, shout out to very holy priest in Colorado, Father Matt. Thank you. Um, Father Matt, you're the man. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Anyways, I totally, yeah, I totally no, no, date it. nights with Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, like to bring the Eucharist into our marriage mm-hmm. in that regular way together um, has been been really beautiful. And to know that each other in the difficulties and ups and downs of marriage are bringing the way that we hurt each other inevitably um, yeah. to Jesus in confession has been really powerful. To know that she's not just saying sorry to me and I'm not just saying sorry to her, right? But we're bringing that to the the integration and the wholeness and the reconciliation that mm. only Jesus can mm. can provide yeah. has been um, really powerful. That's beautiful. You're giving me some some goals. I'm yeah. writing some notes down because I'm like, <laughs> I know I'm like I need to take my child to five minutes of adoration before I go McDonald's take them on get little, some seriously yeah, McDonald's dates. Just, yes <laughs> seriously like getting ice cream. Yes yeah I think oh, I, could, I love that idea. I could just great. summarize all those stories with my wife is awesome. I'm very blessed. That's pretty much the summary. I think we could probably yeah, all good say answer, that. Good answer, Jeff. Good Even answer. <laughs> I don't know why the three of us are on this podcast. We probably get our wives here. What do you think? Yeah, they'd be much better. Uh, Marco, tell us a little bit about what your relationship with the Lord looks like today. Like, what do you, yeah, what's your prayer life look like? Yeah, I, I am a minimalist. I like when I wake up in the morning, just spending um, my my quest as an hour just before the Lord in silence. And sometimes I need a, a little um, prompting with the daily reading. And um, But I will say I, I had a journey to get there. I, I, I think I became a Christian, honestly, in the seminary. Less mm. than optimal, you should be a Christian before No, it's okay. <laughs> but I really was surrendered to Jesus when I came into the light. It was on a 30-day silent retreat. And so I was becoming acclimatized to silence sure. in the midst of also being converted and coming into the light and realizing that the silence was actually torturous for me because mm. I had so many secrets, so many yeah. things that were coming up. And so right at the beginning of my conversion, I had to get used to the rhythm of confession that whenever something would come up that was distracting or harassing, that the Lord in the Eucharist was prompting me to be known Mm -hmm. in community, that it wasn't enough just for me to tell him mystically, but he also wanted me to tell him communally to another person. Yes, confession, but I would even take it a step further uh, to a trusted friend, yeah. I needed that. Um, and I needed to get into the rhythm of that because the enemy does not like silence. He hates our silence. He hates any effort of ours to be silent before the Lord. Mm. So I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever something comes up, I I bring it to the light and yes, to the Lord, but also to trusted members because I, I want that silence to be pure, Sure, you know? And so that really has and still continues to help me just to be known in those areas. Like, okay, what, what's like you said, uh, Jeff, like what's haunting me? Like these, these things that are sort of coming back up. I'm under sure. the school of thought that you confess your sin to crucify it over and over again. So mm-hmm. whether that's going to confession, you may not have concrete sins to confess, but maybe themes sure. that you recognize. Like, Lord, I, I have a theme of, 
of self-rejection or self-hatred mm-hmm. like confess that over and over again till it no longer haunts you mm-hmm. or or themes of lord i have lust and it's not necessarily sin i'm confessing but just themes thematic sure. soul mm-hmm. patterns that yeah. i'm recognizing in myself that's actually disrupting my silence yeah that's disrupting my prayer and the enemy is using it against me I would I would urge the listener to use it against him and bring yeah. it to the light. Yeah, renounce, repent, and replace. Yeah, yeah, amen. And so that that helps me. But I love I love just kind of sitting in silence with the Lord and um, just speaking to Him yeah. about my day, asking His blood to come over my marriage and yeah. my household. Yeah. Um, and then just, just really, really being with him, like resting in him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wish I had more, uh, modalities to offer, yeah. but, um, I think the one that helps me the most is being in a rhythm of confession so yeah. as to foster just good silence, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And also I would say too, C.S. Lewis, this, this quote struck me when I read it, um, this is something like, you know, mere time doesn't forgive sin, you know? So there may be things that just comes up in your mind of like things way in your past. Yeah. It's like, just confess it. Just bring it to the light. Yeah. Just say it out. You know, speak it out to somebody, to yeah. a priest, to a trusted member of Jesus' body. Speak it out. And and thereby you, you get healed. And and I, I would venture to say you get good silence. Yeah. One of the best ways that uh, soldiers back in the day, um, well, I'm sure this is probably still the case now. I'm just saying like one of the best um, sources of healing was to like go and sunbathe, hmm. like to, to, like expose your wounds yeah. to um, the sun or something. And I, I guess that heals it. So I, yeah, just like bringing it into the light literally um, brings restoration. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, I'm not saying don't go to confession. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying that, yeah, <laughs> if you're just like living your life and having a normal day and then yeah. something comes up, just literally just give it to the Lord. Right. Right. Right in that moment. Yeah. It's, you don't have to do this. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't, you do whatever. Right, it's just like, right. Just give it. Just yeah. give it to the Lord. And not to say that these things are going to like, of course, we're always going to have distraction in prayer. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah. I love what you said, John Mark. Like if you give the Lord 15 minutes, he's going to use that 15 minutes. It's right. so true. Right. Even if it's flooded with distractions and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Like just to be before, we have this like huge divine mercy in our living room. And so I just kind of go down there and make a cup of coffee and I just like position myself under the divine yeah. mercy. And I remember when I was moved to Kansas City after the seminary, before I was married, I remember um, not having the structures that I had in the seminary, like, you know, being near a chapel yeah. and all of that, divine divine uh, office. And and I remember being under the impression yeah. that I needed to just be in a state, an emotional state of joy in my prayer. And mm. that, it was actually a little unrealistic, you know, mm. <laughs> like... I don't always want to go to prayer. Sure. I don't always feel great when I'm going to prayer. I'm not always perfectly energized when I'm going into my date with the Lord. Sure. <laughs> uh, and that's okay. Some Most of the time I'm like, Lord, I'm like desperate. Yeah. And I think that's wreck. good. I think that's a great starting where like, Lord, I'm a mess. Definitely. I'm tired. I'm, I'm on edge. I'm a little irate. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here in yeah. a way, but also, Lord, help me. Like, you're my friend. Like I would to a friend. Like, oh, this is where I'm at. Yeah. You know, this is this is what I'm experiencing. This is where I need your divine mercy. Like help me. I love that. That's yeah. energizing to my point. Put it I've I've said it a million times and if you're listening you're like dang it, he's going to say it again. Um <laughs> but like the best prayer you can pray is the most honest one. Yeah. Like he just wants you hmm. and just bring whatever it is, whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart to him and he will bless it. Amen. Amen. And a uh, quick a quick bit of advice on just like how, how do I handle distraction in prayer? 
Um, here's a good bit of advice that I got once upon a time. It was just one, okay, you're praying and then something comes up, great. Just ask the Lord, Lord, help me to focus on you. Just like dismiss it and just say, Lord, help me refocus. If it comes up again, write it down as if it's like, okay, I have to remember to text this person, call this person, set this appointment up, you know, respond to that one email, whatever. Um, just write it down. But if it comes up a third time, um, I was given the advice to just, okay, actually bring that to the Lord and ask him about like, what is it here that yeah. you want to speak to me about? Because like, this is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming up, it's welling up multiple times. So like, let's, let's air this out. Let's talk about it. Totally. And that can also just be the source of your prayer. And that's totally cool because the Lord's human. Like we're human. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, I love that. Honestly, I remember when I was, um, near my end in the seminary, I didn't know it was near my end mm. and I was before the Eucharist and I felt like the Lord, um, I was before the, interestingly, I was before the Eucharist in ours at the, 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 the church of St. John Vianney. I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to no, go to this like church. Like in France? Like yeah. in France. Well, yeah. yeah. That's casual. In Fr- <laughs> I know. So it, it, like in ours, I was thinking, okay, look, John Vianney's going to just, just really uh, confirm my vocation. It's going to be wonderful. And it was actually an awful experience mm. because I, I felt that the, Euc- through the, through the Eucharist yeah. and John Vianney, the Lord was saying, I don't want you to become a priest. Mm. and that's sometimes our prayer is it, it causes conflict but mm. what i found was like okay lord i had a grace in that moment to say okay lord i don't really like that <laughs> yeah but i'm just gonna put it on the back burner <laughs> right okay, i'm just gonna that, allow you <laughs> to just i'm gonna put that on the back burner sure. i don't know what that means that's totally that you are crushing my expectation of this pilgrimage. <laughs> um, but I'm going to put it on the back burner. I mean, if I'm experiencing this in prayer, if this is the enemy, you're going to take sure, care of it. Sure. But if it's your voice and I'm trying to stifle your voice because mm-hmm. I have a plan yeah. that isn't yours, I need you to, to sort of come through, right. you know, and through that, through allowing conflictual things that the Lord may be bringing in our lives and just yeah. bringing it on the back burner. The Eucharist is a kingdom clash. Like sometimes Come on. our kingdoms clash with the kingdom of the Eucharistic Savior. You know, he wants to do something greater in our life. I mean, thank God I'm not a priest. I love the priesthood. Come on. But I'm, I'm so glad I'm not a priest. I want to be married. You know what I mean? You're, <laughs> you're a priest. You're I wouldn't family. be here. Let's I wouldn't go. be. I would just be, you know, so I, I appreciate the yeah. Savior who challenges me through the yeah. Eucharist but also the patience of the Savior who allows yeah. me to put it on the back burner. And then it's like, wow, that caught flame. Yep. And I'm now mobilized and energized to to respond yeah. to the call of the Savior. Yeah, um, I think that's just how he works. Come on, dude. You know? I think some of our listeners out there might be uh, might have like a big decision coming up or something. Um, like what would you say when it comes to discernment? Maybe, you know, maybe you're not in your eight and a half, you know, year of seminary or whatever but like how do you how do you know what to do john mark you got something to say uh i just i find myself having conversations about discernment with a lot of like first and second year missionaries sure and as somebody who historically discerned poorly uh same (laughs) and just like really wrestled with these things yeah it's just something that the lord has blessed me with in terms of hindsight of like okay yeah this is this is what discernment is uh, best hands down. Well, I guess two two pieces of advice that like, really have stuck with me. One was when I was a first year missionary, threatening to leave in the middle of the year, mm. and my team director, God bless him, uh, was very patient with me and very just yeah, listened to all my <laughs> complaints. I was gonna leave and go to the seminary because I didn't <laughs> believe being a missionary was sure. like a call from God. Uh, and it was just my own impatience with everything. But he just said, 
you know, if you, if, if you're not, if you can't be okay with where the Lord has you in the present moment, you'll, you'll never know what your vocation is going to be. And it was such a good, like it struck me to the heart because he was so right. I was not okay with where I was at in the present moment. And therefore I was not, I was not living into any of the responsibilities that I'd committed to. So you really like committing to those responsibilities that you have, you know, from what you've committed to, whether it's I'm, uh, you know, I committed to working in this grocery store or I committed to being a student or whatever. If you're not fulfilling those commitments and like living into them, chances are you're not, you know, Hmm. you're not receiving Mm. what the Lord wants from you. Second piece of advice that was really powerful for me uh, and something I learned more so just from my own kind of exploration of this. I had this feeling that I was called to the priesthood uh, that was certainly built out of a lot of things that wasn't a call to the priesthood. Sure. Uh, Mm. Just pressure from my family, pressure from uh, just kind of what I thought other people thought of me. And the reality that God does not, you know, force you into vocation. Yeah. Mm. And that vocation is an invitation. If you don't feel invited by the Lord to accept and receive whatever that thing mm. is that you're choosing, uh, chances are you're, you're probably discerning it sure. wrong. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I talk about that a lot. It's like, do you, yeah. feel, is this something you feel invited mm. to? Like, yeah. is, do you feel the Lord inviting you into this? Right. Um, and you can't really feel like you can't experience that unless you are living yeah. into your present reality and yeah. your commitments. So saying yes to the little things is going to make saying yes to the big things a lot easier, yeah. and a lot more clear. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have go ahead. I something to say. I, I think having some trusted voices around you, yeah. like praying for them too. Like I remember praying for like, Lord, I need, I need, I need trusted voices to yeah. help me. Yes. And he gave me three, you know, shout out Andrew Comiskey, my mentor now. Um, Father Brian Kane of Lincoln, Nebraska. Love Father Brian. And Archbishop Charles Shepew, one of my just great loves. Not a big deal. Yeah. Right. That's a casual. But list these of people, right there. these are strong voices. You know, these aren't yeah. voices that are like, oh, let me just like coddle you. Yeah. They're they're not coddling voices. If you know any of those voices. Sure. <laughs> and I I would venture to say you need those voices who are aren't aren't going to coddle you yeah. in yes. your discernment. And also I needed this Eucharistic silence to sort of help my ego that was kind of offended at times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember Father Brian Kane saying, I don't I don't know if you're called to be a priest. And that, yeah. that made me so mad. Yeah. But it was through the Eucharist that I was like, okay, that's not okay. All right, maybe I'm not. Yeah. Lord, when I'm being configured to your will, my ego needs to be released and refined yeah. from any self serving thing. You yep. know? Yeah. And so these voices helped me. And then the Eucharist helped me just to, to, to you know. Yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> Put a Band-Aid on some of the finding wounds. <laughs> those people, finding those people who can who will speak truth into your life in love. Yeah, in Yeah, because it's easy to find people who speak truth and are like buttheads about it, you yeah. know. <laughs> and have direction for my life, too. Right, right. You know, who could see beyond what who I know maybe you, could see. Who yeah, know you. Who know yeah. me and say, like, wow, Jesus can do this yeah. for you, you know. And yeah. a, a fun fact for everybody, the word ego is literally a Greek word, ego, which means I am. It means me. Mm. So like when you're talking about like the ego, it's like me, 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 me. Yeah. Right. So that's mm. kind of what that, yeah, amen. it's literally just a Greek word. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> to, to your point, Marco, uh, yeah, I, I would say I didn't understand any of what I shared uh, without those voices, without yeah. those people yeah. who were able to listen and guide me and challenge me yeah. appropriately. So, And just follow the peace. You know, that's, that's my advice mm. would be like, if you're making a decision and if it's binary or not, like, yes or no, this or that, 
right. um, just follow wherever the Lord's peace is. Like uh, Jeff talked about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter five, wherever those are in the decision making process, like, like follow mm-hmm. the peace. Cause like the Lord, like those are from the Lord. Those aren't just, yeah. Yeah. I think one thing I'd highlight from what John Mark and Marco said is the word silence. I think I hear, I'll ask a lot of people or I'll hear people say like, oh yeah, I prayed about that decision or oh yeah, I prayed about that. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh really? Like how <laughs> yeah. did you do that? Tell did you just that. drive to the grocery store and think about it like for two minutes, yep. you know, and then go for it? Or did you kind of put the work in like you're, you're saying sure. earlier of waking up in the morning, making that cup of coffee and sitting before Jesus for an hour mm. in the yeah. silence? I think... I think you used the word torturous silence earlier of like until you've become uncomfortable in the silence, I think that's right. when like the Lord is going to really break through, Amen. break through the noise, break through the distraction. Um, I, I think for me now it, it takes just the first 15 or 30 minutes of silent yeah. prayer just to enter into the prayer um, <laughs> and get into a place where I feel True. like I can really hear the Lord's voice and get the distractions away. Yeah. Stop thinking about lunch or breakfast or whatever is coming up um or work so i think yeah silence is so key for discernment and good word um following the peace would just recommend discernment of spirits Hmm. obviously by saying nations of Loyola, but the more modern book by father timothy gallagher yeah Um, it's a it's a purple pink book it's a good one it's a great book so just really beautiful i think to draw that connection out between silence and following the peace what you were saying jeff i i really do I've found that in conversations, that convert that that comment of like I prayed about this. Yeah. The the constant desire to quote unquote discern, you know, your emotions and feelings sure. in the moment is not super helpful, if at all. And like needing that silence to really like so picking a time yeah. to evaluate if you're gonna make a big decision, kind of what you were saying, like it's like if you're gonna make a big decision, like actually picking a time to sit down in silence mm-hmm. to evaluate what has happened as sure. opposed to this constant, I always, I always tell people this when they're, when they're like starting date long distance dating relationships, cause that happens a lot in focus too. But it's like, if all you're doing is evaluating the relationship every time you're with each other, you're not, <laughs> yeah, maybe you're not, maybe you're not, not dating, you're not doing, yeah. you're not doing what you should be doing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I think that silence is super key to understanding mm, where's the peace. Like yeah. how am I supposed to know what it is unless yeah. I can really spend time with the Lord in it. Yeah. You got I, something else? Yeah. I just have one more caveat and an important, I think an important nuance to the peace. Cause I, I think, um, sometimes the Lord invites us into an agony with him. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like the Lord's heart. I know nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to sound like super spiritual here, but I just think it's the truth. Super like, spiritual. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord's heart is at times he agonizes over certain things. So like if you're experiencing agony in certain areas maybe like you're you have a prophetic call or you're you're in ministry or you're for healing or you're a priest or whatever the case might be the lord may be actually giving you access or you may be intersecting with the sacred heart and i think that's okay you know intersecting love it you know i think it's okay to say wow lord this (laughs) agonizes me in a way i don't mean demonic agonizing i I mean mean agonizing of like wow this pains me this, this, I have a burden here. You know, I think of Catherine of Siena yeah. or Dorothy Day 
or these these people who who I felt I think felt an agony of the Lord's heart and that sort of catapulted them yeah into a particular like a ringing a ringing of the heart like a if you're ringing out a washcloth or something like a ringing out of your heart kind of agony yeah Yeah. so peace is not necessarily a a perfect serenity it could actually be wow Lord you're you're calling me into a a sort of agony but at the same time I feel I feel congruent with your heart right right. Could yeah. I share a story about discerning big things with the Eucharist Come on. and whatnot? Um, yeah, so I think... Especially I, if it involves with the Eucharist. Yeah, well, especially, I, I hear that's it. a requirement <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> is pretty um, by the way, Marco said it earlier, but I think you should probably change the name of the podcast to Kingdom Clash. That Kingdom sounded, Clash. pretty cool. This summer. 2.0. Um, <laughs> this summer. <laughs> anyways, yeah, two stories. One, uh, discerning engagement, discerning getting engaged right right mm. off the bat. So this, in, in Annapolis at our perpetual adoration chapel at St. Mary's. And mm. just, I remember praying with John chapter 15, uh, one through 17, which is today's gospel reading at the day we record. Wow. And just that's special, really <laughs> putting it in front of, of Jesus, like in adoration and just, pro- yeah, putting that proposal that I was going to propose to yes. uh for marriage, like putting that in front of Jesus and saying like, okay, Jesus, I submit this to you. And what, what do you have for me? Mm. And yeah, sitting there in that it was probably like two hours of, of prayer just because, you know, kind of a big decision, you know, you're not going to make that yeah. one in like two minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, just journaling out like what I was receiving from the Lord yeah. and what the words of that scripture in John 15 were and yeah. how he was the vine and we were to be called to be his branches, you know, in marriage and, mm. and how yeah. the words that he has spoken to us have already made us clean and made us ready. And just the fruit that he desires uh, for us in marriage. And I wrote this whole out, uh, yeah, this whole like reflection on that passage and, mm. and ended up including that in a letter that I gave to Tanel on, on the day that I proposed to her, which was also uh, in the middle of a, a holy hour of adoration mm. followed by a private mass out there in Flagstaff. Oh, wow. So shout out to her focus team uh, at the time that really set that up for me real well. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. But, uh, but fast forward to a little bit more agonizing experience was several months later during engagement after I think really several months of hardship for me. I was in nuclear power training, working 14 hour days, um, but also going through a lot of my own insecurities and darkness and doubt and just on being unsure about like what marriage would be or if I was, if this marriage that we had, you know, started um, to be engaged to was, was going to be the right thing for us, you know? And I remember going to the Adoration Chapel so much that my roommate at the time was like, hey, dude, do you want to like come out to the bars with us or something too, you know? But I was just so weak and so broken and so in fear and dealing with my own like mm. needs of inner healing at the time. But I remember going to Jesus over and over again, week after week in the suburb yeah. of Charleston, South Carolina, mm. um, to the Adoration Chapel and just at one point being the only person there. And after several weeks in a row, just laying prostrate in front of the Lord in adoration and just submitting the, all the sphere, all the doubts of whether or not like we should get married. And I just remember finally, finally surrendering and finally laying down prostrate and just experiencing the presence of Jesus come over my whole body. Wow. Just heat, weight, tingling, That's awesome. a divine peace mm-hmm. and just resting in that for like 20 or 30 minutes and just hearing the Lord's voice, hearing Jesus say like, it's going to be okay. Amen. Yeah. Like this is what I've called you to. Like you are ready. Like you are healed. Like you are made clean by the words that I've spoken to you yeah. and like abide in me. 
um, and you will bear much fruit. Yeah. So there's a ton of peace going from there, a ton of like unforgiveness that was healed, a ton of, yeah, Mm. just need for his mercy that I experienced in that moment. And, and I could go on for days. That's just one experience, but we're over and over again, come to Jesus and expect, expect big things. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're body and soul. Right. So like if you feel prompted to kneel in prayer, Mm. do it. If you feel prompted to lay on your face Mm. in the presence of strangers in the adoration chapel, don't be afraid to do it. Mm, like right. it's okay. Yeah. Cause the Lord might want to speak something so profound and clear to you. And yep. yeah, just, I've seen that happen in my own life of, uh, hmm. like I feel prompted to like go to the adoration chapel and like stand in the back, <laughs> do a full like touchdown arms up kind of deal. <laughs> and the Lord honored that. And he, he speaks clearly and then vice versa, just like, yeah, laying down in the front of everybody. And I feel really prompted sometimes to like kiss the ground mm-hmm. like in the adoration chapel mm-hmm. before I leave. Amen. Yep. Um, and just like as a as a word of just saying, Jesus, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, Amen. thanks for this time. And uh, great. What, uh, there's a lot of people out there um, and honestly, many of us, um, those in the church, those not, it doesn't really matter, but there are so many folks out there who might be on the fence about the whole Eucharist thing. Um, maybe they're just having a hard time wrapping their head around this reality, or maybe they're, they just haven't had that like head to heart kind of connection. Uh, what advice would you give to folks out there who are on the fence with the Eucharist? Just in the immediate, your, your comment about being body and soul. I'm like, it's why we need, it's why we need the Eucharist. I feel like we need (laughs) something physical. Sure. I think some of the most convincing sort of arguments and things out there for the Eucharist is just. Like Brant Petrie uh, has some amazing writings off. on the Jewish roots of the Eucharist. And if you know anything about how the Eucharist fulfills all of these seemingly prophetic instances yeah. of of what Jesus has instituted in this great sacrament, it's just... Yeah, I read mean, that book. Yeah, like the, Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist is what the book's called. But it's just undeniable... Like this is this is what Jesus had been, you know, waiting yeah. to reveal himself in. I mean, it's just so, so clear. He is, but. yeah. He has an incredible way of explaining things. Oh, it's it's um, phenomenal. And with such a with, with such a, a biblical background. Yes. Too. It's yeah. not just like we're pulling this. We're pulling this out of. Here's you know, this one example and this one. No, it's no, like it's, this whole body of New, yeah. New Testament basically screams Jesus in the Eucharist. Comprehensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, acknowledgement. So, Jeff, anyways, what advice would you give? Yeah, I think just give Jesus a chance. I think uh, I've just been really edified and struck by yeah what Marco, what you've been saying today about s- that the silence that you need, you will be changed if you go and sit before the Lord in the Eucharist. Yes. In the silence, you're either gonna leave or you're gonna stay long enough to be changed. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think give the Lord a chance and ask Him to reveal Himself. Um, yeah. I think maybe John 14 is the daily gospel a few days ago where he talks yeah. about just, yeah, like I, I will reveal myself to you. I will come to you. We will make our dwelling within yeah. you mm. and just ask the Lord to really make himself present. Um, and, and yeah, it doesn't hurt to, I think, read a book. I think too often as, as a Catholic, I took the faith for granted. Like, oh yeah, like I, I know a thing or two about a thing or two, but no, like there's some incredible mm-hmm. books out there. You know, think about how many books you might read for, professional development to be a better salesperson or to be mm, a better sure. whatever or but have you read a book 
like Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist yeah. by Dr. Brant Petre, yeah, um, mm. etc. But yeah, the Eucharist also, I can't remember who says this, Lee, but something along the lines of like Jesus' real presence. He, it's either the Eucharist is either the real presence or like to hell with it. Yeah, Flannery yeah. O'Connor. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I <laughs> sounds know like you know. a Flannery. Con. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> essentially, like we're right. not messing around here. You yeah, know, right. this is not just some casual wafer that we we hang out with. Um, yeah, and to yeah. highlight again too. Something, Marka, you said earlier was when you started to really live up to and realize that I can't receive communion if I'm if I'm living in mortal sin and I haven't been to confession. Yeah. That was a huge changing turning point for me when I had priests in college, shout out to Father Tom, who ended up marrying my wife and I, um, who were courageous enough to, to preach and to remind us and remind me that like, yeah, you need to go to confession if you're in a state of moral sin before receiving communion. And that yeah. just really made me realize, wow, what I have, what's at stake here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm missing out on if I if I can't receive the Eucharist. So right. um Yeah, just pointing out like how highly the church holds this gift yep. of the Eucharist. Like mm. there's nothing that we hold higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Marco, anything? Yeah. Um I love the incarnation. I love the fact that Jesus assumed our sexual human nature to redeem us, not from our bodies, but for our bodies. Mm. And I think that 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 element of the incarnation power yeah. is the Eucharist. Mm. So I think the Eucharist is medicinal. It for is. Anybody who is struggling with sexual and relational brokenness, mm-hmm. the Eucharist is the pharmacon Athanasius, Ignatius of Antioch says, is the medicine of immortality. Sorry, yes. you need a tissue? It's, it's a <laughs> Can you say that one more time? What did you call amazing. me? Do it again. Do it again. Pharmacon Athanasius. <laughs> That's like, Greek, right? Yeah. yeah. Send it. Pharmacy, pharmacon, you know, yep, medicine. the medicine of immortality. That's so I, I honestly, if you are listening to this and you are struggling in whatever, whatever starting point of sexual and relational struggle, honestly, the Eucharist is going to save you. It's just, that's, that's just the truth. Yeah. I don't think it's a mistake that we have Corpus Christi processions during gay pride month. I think it's, there's something prophetic about it. The Eucharist is the saving remedy for us to be reconciled to the good of our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anybody who doesn't struggle in some ailment, either moral or physical in these bodies, but through the Eucharist, the Lord is not only elevating but healing and perfecting yeah. the reality of these bodies. Yeah. Yep. So honestly, give the Eucharist a chance. Yeah. If you're a fallen away Catholic because you have sexual divides and whatnot, you know what? Go to confession, confess those, and go receive the Eucharist. And yeah. just say, Jesus, save me. Have that grace of desperation. Jesus, save me. Nothing else is saving me. You can save me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it'll change your life. Yeah. It'll Amen. it'll just change your life. Yeah, and I love what you're saying. Like you, you you mentioned a few times there, like sexual and relational, like anything, right? But I'm also just like that's what I think being human is mm-hmm. is like we we're sexual beings. Like we are like we have relationships. Yeah, not right. all are like uh, romantic relations, like right, just right. platonic friendships. Most my mother, right. like my mom, my dad, my brother, my whatever. Yeah. It's like we are always in relationship yeah. with the people around us, but like to varying degrees. So like you just saying like sexual and relational, it's like, hello, that's being human. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. we all have some type of baggage yep. there. 
And we just have to have that grace, like you said, to cooperate with that grace, that invitation to respond and just say, you know what, I can't do it alone. Yeah. And to give, I, I want to I pay homage to the, the whole idea of mortal sin. There's so many in the church today, and I, I, I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to be a firecracker, but there's people in the church today that want to 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 unload mortal sin as if sure. all sin is just benign, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that, oh, well, you really can't overcome that. So mm-hmm. we shouldn't call it mortal anymore because it's actually not pastoral. Like that's the counterfeit voice, I think, today. Woof. But frankly, I think that's really helpful. And my advice would be give it a chance. Yeah. Actually take your sin as mortal, confess it, try to uproot it from your life and give the Eucharist profound space, profound space. I don't mean a a, a week. I mean like six months of space in your life, daily communicant, just give the Eucharist space in your life. And honestly, I really do think you will, you will see transformation in your life. I'll have what he's having. Yeah. Right. That sounds good to me. No, I I would add to just like (laughs) the admittance of your need like uh, as you guys were all talking and i think this is another thing i I would maybe the foundation of what i'd say in terms of approaching the eucharist if you're on the fence is realizing like we have to approach with an attitude of humility yeah uh in in admitting like i'm a creature i am not here of my own volition yeah you know and if i know anything about this god who created me and i learn that this is how he has instituted you know himself to be with us until the end of the age right there's this very real yeah like i just have to approach in humility and trust that he is who he says he is and i i just got this image of like the eucharist is the the like the physical revelation of the father's heart oh, to us come like on he Amen. he put, pours himself out so entirely f- to be received and consumed so that we might be received yes. and consumed in him and it's just like if we don't approach with humility and understanding that we have this infinite need for him yeah it's just we we're coming at it from I, I do feel like a lot of people come at it from this place of like i don't know just intellectualism or even just like this pride of like why do i why would i need this you know yeah. nothing's wrong in my life whatever and it's yeah. like you're just it's just like yeah you have to recognize that this that is not how we're meant to approach him yeah and you have, you're just looking at it like okay if you believe in jesus great but like what does jesus say about this thing right like why does he exactly. talk about it so much right. if it's just yeah. a thing Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yet Ignatius of Antioch, sec first and second century. Yeah, it goes way back. Got eaten by lions for this truth. Come on. Get after it. And he's saying this to in his letter to the Ephesians. Like this is early church. So many. You know? This was canon in some churches (laughs) until the canon was established later. Yeah. So hopefully his words are are, are an apologetic to the the gravity of the Eucharist. Amen. Yes. I think now might be a great time to transition into the second part of our conversation about this awesome document that we are concluding today mysterium fidei the mystery of faith this encyclical of pope saint paul the sixth that's the one on the holy eucharist Uh, he wrote this september it it was published september 3rd 1965 as vatican ii the council was wrapping up and the purpose of the, the this document was that a new wave his hope his prayer was the same of vatican ii which was that a new wave of eucharistic devotion sweep over the church. He says that in paragraph 13. So the final section of this document that we're going to be going through today is 64 through 73 paragraphs, 64 through 73. And like I've said on episodes in the past, like this is a way that you can get a a deeper dive of the church's wisdom, truth, and understanding about 
who we are in Christ and who Christ is to us. But yeah, things are easier to approach when we approach them together and we break them up into their parts and, and um, discuss them. So like start a small group if you haven't already, because this podcast ain't going away anytime soon. Uh, we're going to be going through more documents uh, from the past 100, 150 years over the next like year. So please, uh, if you've got a small group, make this the subject of your conversation. Listen in, read this together and just get after it together. So yes, this section is on fostering Eucharistic devotion. Uh, what does that mean? What does that look like? St. Pope Paul VI, he leans in here. Gentlemen, what were your uh, greatest hits, your takeaways from this section? Yeah, first off, thank you so much for bringing up an, an encyclical by St. Pope Paul VI. I'm glad we're talking about Humana Vitae today. Oh, I'm sorry, I mean, <laughs> oh, Mysterium oh. Fidei. Um, A decade early, God. my friend. <laughs> Both good. You mean that's not the only document he wrote? <laughs> that's Roasted. what I thought, actually, before before Lee shared this document with me, so thank you. Um, yeah. I think what stood out to me the most is the the Pope's encouragement for daily mass for as many people as possible. Yeah. And I think there's certain areas of the church that might say like, Oh, well, like I'm not worthy to receive the Eucharist super often. Look at all these old school saints that yeah. only receive the Eucharist like once, once a month or, you know, yeah. things like that. I, I think now yeah. like Jesus in his great divine mercy desires us to come to him. And yes. And for me, it's, the opportunity to go to daily mass is one, one, once again, one of the reasons I moved to the Kansas city area, because you can't drive down the road in Johnson County without hitting like five or six different daily mass options every 15 minutes in the morning. Oh, right. and then you, know, you catch your noon option. And then, Oh, I guess if you don't hit that, you can get your, you know, your yeah. evening option. As an aside, really fast. Yes. Masstimes.org. Mm. If you're like, man, I want to go to mass more, but I kind of feel like I live out of the way and I don't really know any yada, yada, yada. Like there's an app called Mass Times. There's a website called MassTimes.org, and it's literally just a website for where you can access the sacraments, like where around you by your zip code or by your address or whatever. So like, you can find confession times on Wednesday morning or Mass times in Thursday evening. Like, what's the closest option? What's available? What yeah. Mass time can I go to this weekend or whatever? MassTimes.org. Not getting you know paid by them, but do it. Yeah, no, that's incredible, and I just think. If Jesus is the source and summit, if he is the son of God, if he is the prince of peace, if he is my healer, my savior, my friend, my Lord, then there's nothing better that I could do in a given day than go to mass and receive him in the mm -hmm. Eucharist. And I love the fact that when I am able to get to daily mass, uh, which I try to as often as possible, um, it's like the whole day. Like I've kind of won the, Jesus has won the day for me. Yeah. No matter what else goes wrong, no matter how, crazy the kids are or you know <laughs> their behavior or the weather or you know how my work is going like yeah. I can know and rest in the fact that I received Jesus that day and like mm. the day's already been won yeah also my favorite joke for uh people's wedding days Catholic weddings right it's like hey like so what was the what was the best part of your wedding day <laughs> and like you know tell me about it and they'll True say question. something like oh you know like oh, the, the, the party was just amazing like like wrong you received jesus in the eucharist that was the best part of your <laughs> wrong let me uh, tell you like what your favorite dad joke yeah. I feel yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in all reality yeah so just being able to receive him uh daily it's what could be better yeah. i'm kind of in awe as to like how our conversation has followed the <laughs> mm -hmm. what, what we yeah. were supposed to i was to surprised by that too 64 i and i i can certainly say that wasn't orchestrated or anything but holy spirit come on um, I think the thing that's really stuck out to me reading it were 
yeah, like the centrality of the Eucharist in our communities, but like, and, and what it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, and then, and then how the transforming aspect of it is this question of like, how is it transformative? Yeah. How is it transformative mm. for you as a person, for your family, for yeah. your community? And then just this, like, as I was uh, scribbling my last notes, reading this, I was just, yeah, like really thinking about when it comes to unity and whatnot and how, if, if the Eucharist really is the center of, you know, our communities and mostly our family, it's just like, how do we treat it with like the, the awe and reverence and respect that it's due? Yeah. You know, um, this is something I've been reflecting on a lot personally, but just in the greater church is like, yeah, like it shouldn't be casual. It shouldn't be something that you can yeah. just like, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he says in 64, um, he's, he's, he is, um, beseeching his, like he's, he wrote this to all the lay faithful, by yes. the way, this document was written mm. to all the lay faithful, but here he's talking, he's speaking to his brother, um, bishops and he says, mm-hmm. I beseech you to foster devotion to the Eucharist, which should be the focal point and goal of all other forms of devotion. Yes. Mm. So if you're like, dude, the rosary is the way period wrong. Yeah. The rosary is the way to Jesus and yeah. Jesus in the Eucharist is the focal point and goal of all yes. other forms of devotion, divine mercy chaplet, you, you name it, yeah. right? If it doesn't in some way lead you to a, a greater devotion to the Holy Eucharist, yeah. um, I, I give pause to anything that doesn't do that. Right. Yeah. I loved the section on um, the dignity bestowed mm. by the Eucharist. Yeah. I like that language. Yeah. I like the language of dignity. I like the language of, of, of also the opposite. Like what are the indignities, you know, and I, I know I've spoken a few times about mortal sin and I, I hope I'm, I don't sound like I'm myopically, you know, just hyper-focused on. on mortal no, sin, great. but I do think it's, it's, it's not noble of us to let go of our mortal sin because mortal sins never ennoble us and the Eucharist ennobles us. It dignifies us. And I really love that. I love how it elevates us. And the Pope says it's an incomparable dignity upon the Christian people. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was just kind of reflecting on that this morning and thinking like, wow, Lord, when, whenever I'm tempted to do something that would bar me from the altar, that could prohibit me from entering into the Holy of Holies and receiving you. I want to let go of those indignities so as to be dignified, truly dignified by you, Jesus. And it just was a beautiful reminder, like, wow, because I think the enemy wants us to think that in my sin, it actually ennobles me. It actually fills me up. I actually feel more alive or whatever the, 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 the lie is of sin. But to let go of that so as to actually be dignified yeah. by this Eucharist. Yeah. Yep. I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so life-giving. Like, whoa, Lord, you're telling me to let go of things that actually are indignities against my humanity. Right. Yep. So as to truly be dignified by the author of humanity. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Like I should be at Mass every day. Lord, please give me conviction. Give us conviction that yeah. we would avail ourselves to this mystery yeah. all the time yeah mm-hmm. you know so you i mean I that one it. that one gospel passage i came to shame i came to make them feel small i came to really <laughs> just you know make people feel sad <laughs> like no no he came to, to that we might have life, uh, life, life. and have it to the fullest. Yeah, yeah come on so like 
Yeah. No, I, I really like that you point that out, Marco, too, with the dignity piece. Cause he, and then in 66, he gives that almost just like practical pathway of what yeah. that means of like, yeah. yeah, the Eucharist is where we draw strength to master our passions, wash away lesser sins, yeah. prevent the serious sins. Like, hmm. it's all right there. Yeah, it's a it's a generous invitation, really, that the Lord would want to dignify us by giving of his his own flesh and blood. It's right. It's pretty remarkable. Jesus is pretty remarkable. Yeah, <laughs> he's really yeah. good. I'm grateful, grateful to him and his gift, his self gift to us. Right. I I highlighted the entirety of chapter or ver, uh, paragraph sixty six um, <laughs> because he's he's just quoting basically what um, Pope Saint Pius the tenth wrote and approved in 1905 which was yeah. like hey we got to get people to communion yep. more communion more communion more, more communion. jesus yes yes um because the communion like communion the eucharist is uh the lord's proof of like it's it's crazy it's like our proof of gratitude is receiving it what like our proof of gratitude is receiving and honoring the lord mm. in the eucharist you know what i like too i was thinking about the dignity piece that the eucharist it's such a vulnerable thing mm. like to 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 desecrate the Eucharist, like the Lord comes in a form that is so vulnerable, yeah. you know, and yet that vulnerable form uh, dignifies us. Yeah. I just think it's an interesting thing to reflect on, you yeah. know, like the care we give to the Eucharist. Even like I I would say for my own personal devotion, like it's been helpful for me to receive on the tongue yep. and kneeling. There's been something about that that's helped me to see the vulnerable Savior coming into my vulnerability yeah. and yes. and dignifying me yeah. on the level of my vulnera on the level of my yeah, wounds yeah. you know and he's so easily wounded so as to become accessible to us mm. and we shouldn't just overlook that and just yeah. allow ourselves to become root in in yeah. in, in, our, in our in our um reception of the eucharist Come on, Marco. but like to, Come on. to actually show like oh my gosh i'm going to kneel my wife kneels, and so she provoked me. I'm like, I'm going to kneel too. Like, if this is Jesus, is right I'm going to kneel. I'm going to receive on the tongue. Like, come on. Like, let's not allow that to become politicized. Yeah. But to say, no, I want to reverence the vulnerable Amen. Savior yeah. who dignifies me. Yep. I just want to second that also that my wife also inspired me to receive Jesus in the Eucharist more reverently like that. Yeah. And it's not that... One is legal or illegal. They're both legal. No, both okay. legal. Both yeah. legal. Especially here in the Archdiocese of Kansas City. Here in the United States. Yeah. Yes. But both are there's, the beautiful thing is like kneeling to receive or receiving on the tongue. It's it's not for anyone else. It's not for show. Yep. It's it's a mercy that it's for me. Yeah, it's yeah. for me to remind myself because I'm weak and imperfect and yeah. I need to physically use my body to remind myself yep. who I'm receiving. So yeah. it's just totally for me. Yeah. Receiving on the tongue is, it's not even, it's a no brainer for me now. It reminds me of a child. It reminds me of a baby, like being bottle felled, um, mm. and how like just like the act of being nursed, you know. Yeah. Um, and Jesus told us we have to be like grown adults, right? Is, is that what? Yeah, he said I think in, in Matthew eighteen, he actually says, you know, blessed are the adults and old curmudgeons <laughs> and stuff. No, he says, blessed are the children. Let the children come to me. Like, it's how many of us get so flustered with each other, and like, don't let the those who are childlike in spirit. Um, yeah, just come to the Lord. I'm just yeah. thinking about how the disciples were like, they were upset at the children and the parents of the children who were coming <laughs> to Jesus. They were upset. Disciples. And Jesus did his thing. He said... And he embraced them. And Jesus put his yeah. arm around that little child that was brought to him and embraced yeah. them. Yeah. And if you want to experience that embrace of Jesus, 
go to adoration, go mm-hmm. to pray, sit in the silence, come yep. to mass and yep. allow Jesus to embrace yeah. you. And I had a note just on this like whole Matthew 18 thing, the children coming to Jesus, like again, just honest prayer is the best prayer, like honest conversation, holding nothing back. Why, why are children so highly esteemed by our Lord? Well, they have zero, they're not self-conscious. They have pure love and they have pure presence wherever they go and whatever they're doing, they're just mm. completely there. They're not worried about really anything. They're unashamed yeah. about anything that they have done in the past or whatever, if it's been forgiven. Like it's there. Like they're they're just totally there. And when they seek him out, they're seeking him out entirely. It's like the childlike are perfect. Yeah. In in spirit and it's just yeah. So become a child because the child those who are like children are the greatest in the kingdom. What he says is like, to become great, you must become like a child. Hmm. I would just echo that, yeah, being like a child, you know, St. Therese of Lisia, his great patron uh, intercessor for, for us and our family, and hmm. just to be little, because hmm. yeah. to be held in the arms of Jesus, you don't want to be big, you want to be little, mm-hmm. you want to be held. Um, yeah, so to approach, like John Mark said, with humility, approach the Eucharist, and be little, and just a note on unity, how in 73, he says, um, he, he's praying at this point, he's interceding. He's like, may all, may the all merciful redeemer who shortly before his death prayed to the father that all who are, who were mm. to believe in him might be one, yeah. just as he and the father are one. Uh, may they, yeah, just, <sighs> the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist is the sacrament of unity. Mm-hmm. Like in Christ, we are literally made one with one another it's why it's called communion um unity with like with unity together like communion and there's just no chief there's there's no greater uh, expression and reality of unity than in christ jesus and in this eucharistic mystery um because like john 17 if you haven't read john 17 before um you're like man these guys know the bible it's like yeah we do but like (laughs) read john 17 um this is the lord's prayer before he enters into um the fullness of his passion right so he's um yeah just read john 17 can't recommend it enough yeah and there seems to be movements in the evangelical world i know francis chan and bethel like that they are becoming more seemingly i don't know i'm not can't i'm just speaking as an outsider but seemingly more communion centric obviously that the nature of that communion is different than our transubstantiated thing here yeah. that we believe that the elements are are truly transubstantiated the substance of which the bread and wine are tra- transformed right. into the body blood soul and divinity of jesus so there's a difference there but it's interesting to see that yeah. all of these streams of christianity some of these very powerful healing streams of christianity becoming yeah. more acclimatized to communion and so lord may may that be uh, a wave yeah. for more unity you know yeah. in a way seeing that communion is at the center um and these some of these are people are speaking out like this is that this is has been at the yeah. center of christian worship since the beginning and yeah may it become more sin, sin, central yeah you know yep. so yeah i pray for that surely come on lord yeah and i i think this uh i love that quote from the council of trent hmm. yeah. um but just almost almost framing it like the eucharist is yeah. the lens that through which all else gets its purpose and like yeah there's there's just an eloquence and a reverence that mm. they they uh you know reflect or i guess recounted this from the from the council mm-hmm. 
Um, but it, it just made me really think about, you know, how do we how do we participate in in the Eucharist now? How is how is our yeah you know how do we engage the liturgy? How do we enter into the mass? Um, and I just found myself asking the question. I wrote it down as just like how how does receiving the Eucharist transform hmm. us? into the mystical body and is that why we go to mass Mm -hmm. and i just pose that Mm -hmm. for us here but i think especially for all the listeners like you know mass mass is not something you need to go do just to fulfill an obligation it's not something you need to go do just because it's you know the cultural norm of the catholics you know um well like a third of them or a fourth of them right Mm -hmm. and and i think i think just I mean, that's something I'm convicted of personally as yeah. striving to, you know, live out my family life in a way that is Eucharistic. Uh, hmm. But truly, call, you know, yeah, calling other yeah. people that reality is like this. This is meant to be transformative. It's not yeah. just meant to be this, you know. It's not homework. Yeah, this run of the mill thing I do on Sundays just because I, you know, that's just what I grew up doing. And it's like, there's so much more, and hopefully you've you've gleaned some of that from yeah. our conversation already. But man, and, it's yeah, just, you just think about the gift, right? Like the giftedness, yeah. like the like what is what is the Eucharist? Like it's Jesus Himself. Like if if there was something greater that the Lord could give us, He would have given it to us. Yep. Like, but there is nothing greater. Yeah. Right. There mm-hmm. is nothing greater than the Eucharist that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us. Right. There's nothing beyond. The yeah. Eucharist, like this side of the veil, it doesn't, it's never going to, it's not going to fully ever make sense. Hmm. Okay. Infinite reality, finite minds. Yep. Like, hello, this side of the veil, <laughs> it's not going to work. Like, but we are called to just like come into agreement with what we can. Hmm. And the Lord, yep. you know, he's definitely revealed enough. And just a quick note on the Council of Trent, like this was a really long council um, that the, the church started in 1545 and it went all the way to 1563 in Trent, which is in Northern Italy, whatever. It's just a, it's in the 19th ecumenical council where the whole church comes together and they all talk. And it was prompted by the Protestant Reformation um, at the time. And it's, um, yeah, so it's it's been described as like the, the church's embodiment of the counter reformation and like mm-hmm. our response to like, uh, you know, actually we did need to get some stuff together. Right. And um, just a quick note on that. If you want to learn more about that, just Google it. New Advent. There's tons of stuff out there on uh, the Council of Trent. Yeah. If you have not yet left a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that because you are actually helping us get the word. I say us, like the word, like the church. Hello, us. You're helping the church. You're helping Jesus get the word out <laughs> to the world at large that he is alive, that he's about a good work, and that he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So like people are going to start coming across this more. Like we've literally had listeners from all over the world. Like we're in, we're, we're global. That's pretty cool to say that this is a global Amen. thing. Thousands of people are, are tuning cool. into this. So um, share this with your friends, share this with your family. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. Guys, I just want to say thanks for being here. Thank you for your ministries, for your apostolates that you're involved in. Thank you for your witness to Christ in the Holy Eucharist. Thank you for the witness of joy and peace that you guys take with you and carry with you everywhere you go. It just builds my faith, and I think I'm certainly not alone in that. So, Jeff, thanks for having us in your home. Thanks for opening up your home to us, and thanks for uh, your witness to amazing marriage life done well. Um, And thank you for your commitment to taking risks on the Lord's behalf and just um, bringing the kingdom wherever you go. So thanks, Jeff. It's an honor to know you. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, thanks for your boldness. I think the last episode, they they honored you for 
sense of urgency. I'll second that. Yeah, sense of urgency because the man. kingdom is coming to clash with you. Yes. <laughs> and John Mark, thanks for the uh, the bird speeds that you bought me once upon a time <laughs> at, uh, at KU. So thank you so much. Um, but guys, this has been New Mana. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs>